Definitely number one is do good quality work and not overcharge people. And then I would say probably number two is try to make more friends and enemies, especially in the, in the industry. Because when I first started, I thought everyone was my competitor type of thing. I need to get every single job I can type of thing. I can't really be friends of these people compared to in hindsight now in the future. Now, now that I know what I know, try and make those connections with other business owners uh, is probably your number one asset in business. How's it going, everyone? Alex Freeman here. Welcome to another episode of the Upflip podcast, where we will be interviewing successful entrepreneurs about how they run their business behind the scenes and how you can replicate their success. Today, we'll be focusing on how to grow your lawn care business and make over 17K a month while doing it all by yourself. To give you all this knowledge, we invited Russell Jeffcoat, the founder of Legends Lawn Care Services. One key to his success was his ability to grow his customer list. Starting from a base of 20 clients, he had 300 customers by the end of his first year. We interviewed Russell on our YouTube channel, Upflip, where we asked him the fundamental questions such as what equipment you need, how to get your first client, and so much more. So make sure to go check it out. Today, Russell is going to share how you too can scale your own lawn care business to make over $200,000 a year. He'll also share the most important skill you need to succeed in this business, what mistakes he made while starting out, and how he's been able to grow his business at such a young age. Before we begin, help us spread the word about this podcast. Let's build the best and biggest business podcast out there. And now let's welcome Russell Jeffcoat. Russell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and give us kind of the, the basics of, of Legends Lawn Care Services, if you would. Absolutely. So I am a 20-year-old business owner located in the Great Pacific Northwest here in Washington State. Uh, I started my business uh, my senior year of high school when I was 17. Uh, previously, before that, I worked for two other landscape companies. So I kind of learned all the tricks of the trades, type of thing, what to do, what not to do type of thing. I've learned all the basic skills to kind of get me running. I then uh, decided to start it first part of my senior year in high school. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after high school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. I really liked the industry I was in, which is the lawn care industry. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I was pushing a mower around my neighborhood type of thing. I've always had that entrepreneurial mindset. So I figured, hey, why not give it a shot? You can never really fail at anything you really try at. So I started that. It grew very fast. Uh, the neighborhood I lived in, it was uh, kind of an older kind of retirement community. So there's a lot of people that really couldn't maintain their own properties type of thing. So they, of course, need someone to take care of it because they can't. Um, I started that. It grew very, very fast. Because if you do good work, word kind of spreads. So I uh, kept growing and growing. And now uh, we're in the third year now. And it's that at this point, I don't see any time of it even slowing down or stopping at all. Wow, that's that's incredible. And I understand you're in the process of rebranding from Legends Lawn Care to Legends Landscape. Um, Why did you decide to change the company name? And does the name change come along with other changes to your business? Um, I decided to change the name is I'm trying to kind of get out of doing the mowing type of thing and kind of going to the more like the hardscape type of thing, doing more landscaping, more dirt work. I kind of moving over to the construction stuff because with lawn care, you probably most most companies will probably do forty to fifty properties, maybe even more, maybe less depending on property size. Uh, but usually it's forty, fifty bucks per property type of thing. It's kind of you go to one property for fifteen to thirty minutes and then you're done with that one for the next week type of thing. For some bigger landscape jobs, hardscape jobs, you could be there from 
three days, two days, up to like a month or two at a time. And there's a lot, lot more larger ticket items. Like some landscape jobs can range from five thousand dollars all the way up to hundred thousand dollars plus. So it's it's kind of a different type of client base. Also, some people that just want lawn maintenance type of thing, they might not be the best customer. They're slow to pay or a more difficult type of customer compared to when you're in the landscaping kind of side of things, getting jobs for those type of things. And they're spending tens of thousands of dollars, up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, those people are usually a lot less stressed, a little bit more easygoing because they are they want more high dollar, more high quality work. Yeah, I think... And you, you touched on a few of these, but could you like really kind of explicitly lay out for our listeners some of the advantages of that excavation work over lawn maintenance and other lawn care services? Sure, absolutely. Uh, you can definitely scale a lot more to do a lot more other things from just lawn care because any, anyone can kind of mow grass type of thing and you have to try to find the right people to do that. And in this labor market, it's very hard to find someone and to teach them those skills compared to once you move to the more like the excavation and the dirt work side. Usually you hire uh, more experienced labor, people that know how to run equipment, that know how to like read blueprints, stuff like that. So you get a lot more high quality employees coming out of it too, because you're initially looking for more experienced labor. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And then kind of shifting gears a little bit here, uh, what's your current monthly revenue and how does that compare to this time last year? Everyone's business has been a little bit different over the last year and a half. How are things going for you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this year, uh, monthly revenue, it ranges from about 16000 to 20000 depending on the month. Usually our spring months... And like our early summer, I usually kind of our it's kind of a spring rush type of thing. That's kind of people in retail will call kind of like their Black Friday or Christmas. The springtime is kind of in our industry, kind of that's kind of when everyone is kind of coming out, coming out of winter. Okay, we want to get stuff done in our yards type of thing. People want to kind of make it look nice for the spring and into the summer. So then when they have people over, they're entertaining. It looks really nice. Mm, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and what are some of those significant factors? Uh, or I guess to follow up, how does that compare to last year? Um, so last year, uh, it was kind of a weird year last year because here in Washington State, right around March, April, we were shut down because we were deemed a non-essential business. So we were kind of stopped for like a month, month and a half type of thing until we were allowed to kind of go back to work. So that was kind of a weird time. But once we were able to open back up, everything was kind of normal in a sense. Our revenue last year kind of ranged between ten to twelve thousand dollars, but probably about a fifty, sixty percent profit margin type of thing on on most of our work and considering we were considering mostly lawn maintenance work last year. That that is quite a significant uh, revenue increase year over year. So, what are some of the most significant factors uh, that you would contribute to that revenue growth? Um, last year, we were doing, I'd say, most we probably doing fifty percent, fifty sixty percent of my business last year was lawn maintenance. So, kind of that mow edge blow type of thing, really simple service type of thing, and we were doing a little bit of landscape work. Uh, I was mostly doing like bark installs, planting. Uh, trimming things like a very very tiny bit of dirt work type of thing, mm-hmm. um, but this year it's probably the opposite. I'd say it's probably twenty ten to twenty percent is mowing, and then about eighty to ninety percent of it's like landscaping and kind of moving into that more construction kind of excavation aspect. Wow. Uh, so you you seem to be successfully making this shift. What would you say are some of the main obstacles that would prevent 
other lawn care companies from making those kind of shifts and seeing their revenue grow in the same way? I would definitely say just try to figure out what customers you can deem like full service type of customers because next year we're still keeping those full service customers on just in a very more limited thing. So these full service customers could be uh, you mow their grass, you trim their shrubs, do their bar, clean their gutters. They're kind of someone that wants every every type of service you want type of thing. And then you also have customers that get referred to the like home builders, small construction companies. The main thing is I do a lot of work for home builders because they don't want to do the landscaping part. They just want to finish their house and get sold, get it done type of thing. So we do a lot of like final grade, putting the lawn in, putting the beds in type of thing, doing stuff like that. And usually people like that, it's really, really easy to work with because they have a set budget of what they want to get done. So it's really easy to do that. And usually it's repetitive work. Like once you have one house, you do the landscaping and you just keep doing that as as they finish houses. Wow. That's a really great way to kind of find that recurring revenue there. Have you been able to maintain your profit margins? I think you mentioned somewhere in the 50%-ish range. Uh, yeah, I'd say probably between 50-60% because this year with everything with inflation kind of going up, our materials costs have went up about 20 to 30%, which isn't Terrible, I would say, because that that price we kind of just added on to the customer type of thing. So we haven't really seen like huge jumps in prices from over from this year to last year. But it's still a little bit of a noticeable thing for materials and kind of a little bit more increased overhead. But overall, I would say we're kind of still staying that fifty to sixty percent margin on most jobs. Are you having any trouble in the labor market right now finding workers? Um, absolutely. I'm actually just kind of an owner operator this year. Last year, I had an office assistant and then I had two uh, full time helpers last year. And because of the labor market this year, I've decided to kind of uh, condense my business in a sense. So try to find different efficiencies to try stuff that's not as efficient and then try to make it more efficient. So instead of trying to find an employee, I buy like another piece of equipment that instead of having to wait on an employee or trying to find an employee or worry about they're coming in today, I just buy a piece of equipment or take smaller jobs and something that's a lot more profitable. And I don't have to worry about employees essentially. So it's kind of like an error-free type of thing. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, because then, correct me if I'm wrong, if you, if you then start to look to scale, you've created efficiencies. And so now one employee can go even further. Is that kind of right? That, that's absolutely correct. Because the one of the companies I used to work for, they have, I believe, 40 or 50 locations across the US. I probably couple hired employees. I know here locally, they have probably 20 or 30 field people and probably 10 to 15 office people. And I, I can't imagine their stress. We were trying to find people in this labor market because they have all the work to support it. They seem to trying to find the people to actually to do it compared to my kind of company. It's like, okay, I'm the person you meet. It's a little more personalized service. You can kind of sell that a little bit more type of thing. People will kind of pay a premium compared to like some companies where it's like one person comes out, gives the estimate, or a person you're talking to in the office, or a person is doing the work on your site type of thing. So it's a little bit more personalized service also. Mm, yeah, that that I'm sure goes a long way with with customers. You've also mentioned some of these things, but what are, what is some of your advice for controlling uh, those overhead costs uh, while, while growing the business, transitioning the business uh, with so much going on? How are you keeping those overhead costs down? I would say just try to find like little inefficiencies in your business. So like, for example, now we're doing more landscaping work. Uh, when I first started my business, I bought a 5 by 10 dump trailer. So you can fit probably a couple yards of material in that. And then this year, I was realizing that, hey, 
because I can only fit a couple yards of material in my dump trailer. I'm making two, three trips to material yards or to sites or to my dump facility compared to now I'm like, Hey, that's kind of inefficient. So I'm now looking at getting a bigger dump trailer. That's twice as big. It's only instead of making three trips to a mature yard or somewhere, I'm making one, which reduces my fuel costs, which reduces wear and tear on my trucks. And it overall just makes the more efficient for the job because you're not wasting time driving back and forth type of thing. On that same vein, you you mentioned this this dump trailer that you're looking to get a larger one of, uh, and that would be obviously a reinvestment in the business. Uh, how do you target and plan out some of those reinvestments? Uh, do you try and keep it to a certain percentage of profits? Do you invest when you need to invest? How do you handle that kind of planning? Usually I kind of do it when it's needed type of thing, usually towards the end of the year. So probably around like this time of the year, we're kind of going into fall type of thing. So I still have another like three, four months because usually our work slows down right around right after Christmas. And it usually starts back up uh, by third or fourth week of February. So there's about a six week time where we're pretty slow. There's still work coming in, but it's not. It's nowhere near the volume of it. So usually around this time of the year, I try to plan out for next year. So it's it's only August right now. And I'm already planning for the spring of next year, right? So, okay, I'm trying to think, okay, what inefficiencies do I have going on right now or this year that I can make efficient next year by buying different equipment, buying more efficient equipment to make, make jobs a lot more efficient? As someone is, you know, like you running a, a lawn care and landscaping company, uh, they, you know, get to the end of the month and they've paid themselves, they've covered their overhead, they've got this extra profit. What is the smartest use of that extra profit if they want to grow their revenue? I would say uh, it's kind of a two-part thing. I would say the first part is just look at your business and then see if you can afford like another piece of equipment or like another training thing to train yourself or your employees type of thing. Just try to like boost more revenue in the business. And the second part of it is try to separately from your business is try to find like, like an asset, like real estate, stocks, stuff like that. Something that's, that's over time historically goes up in value, appreciates type of thing. It's not a depreciating thing like a piece of equipment or like a truck or something like that. Try to find like an appreciating asset that you could like find like a duplex or a fourplex type of thing or like a house to rent out type of thing that gives you passive income on the side. So you can kind of find more of those and you in, in term in the future, not have to work as much type of thing, find a more secure thing. Because most people in my industry, they're not going to do this till they're 60 or 65. Their body's pretty much worn out after 10 to 15, 20 years, something like that. So this is an industry that's very hard on your body. So you have to look at that. Yes, you need to grow your revenue in your business, but you also need to find other sources of income that you need to, so you can support yourself in the future. Uh, that's great advice. Uh, hopefully more people follow that um, <laughs> in, across, across many different industries. In, our, in the last conversation that you had with Upflip over on the YouTube channel, you mentioned you don't spend money on advertising, get most of your business through word of mouth. Is that still the case? That is definitely still the case. Um, once again, this year, I haven't really spent anything on marketing. The only thing I've spent on marketing is to letter one of my vehicles. And then that that was, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks. So you could say for the whole year, I spent $60 on marketing. But yeah, usually most of the work, because I'm very established in my areas now type of thing. People people know the services we offer type of thing. People know that, hey, next year we're kind of transitioning into more dirt work type of things. So I'm making more connections of home builders, real estate agents, people that require stuff like that. Talking with other construction companies that, hey, this is stuff we offer. If you like to sub us out on on a on a project, 
let me know. This is the stuff we offer type thing, just kind of networking here and there. And then we also still post on our Facebook page still um, in kind of the local buy, sell, trade groups on Facebook. Those are, those have been kind of like a little honeypot, you could say kind of for us in the last year or so kind of posting. I think people are always looking in there for stuff for sale, events in the community type of thing. So if you post in there a couple of times a week, say, Hey, this is, we have a special going on right now, or Hey, we're offering this service at this time of the year. If anyone's interested, give us a call, mention this ad, get a discounted price, which is usually 5 to 10% off of an estimate. So just a little stuff like that, that doesn't cost any money. It costs your time type of thing. Um, another thing is to just always carry business cards with you. So most people I meet, they're like, hey, this is what I do type of thing. And then just like, hey, if you're interested, blah, blah, blah. Type of thing. So any real estate, I mean, hey, here's my card or home builders or people in this type of industry that want to kind of get into, just make that connection with them. So in the future, it kind of pays off or maybe a potential draw. With current clients, are you specifically asking for referrals or are they, they sort of just, they're just shouting your praises when someone asks why their, why their lawn looks so good? I would say it's mostly organic. Most of like our lawn maintenance customers, like our full service customers here, most of them are in high end neighborhoods uh, where most of the houses are eight nine hundred thousand dollars up to a million dollars plus that type of thing. So they're very high end homes. Really, if you do good one of them, um, they'll kind of say, "Hey, yeah, hey, who's doing your yard type? You know, it looks really nice." Or, "Oh, they did this really nice on your yard. Who did that for you?" Type of thing. It's just kind of this organic type of thing, which kind of keeps really just kind of builds and builds over time. Once you kind of get your name out there. And then uh, with those client relationships, as you, you know, you're in the midst of managing a transition in the business, uh, how have you worked with your existing clients during that time? Um, is there any kind of specific tips you can give to anyone who might be going through the same kind of process, uh, how they can communicate that and message that to their existing clients that things may be changing? Um, I would say kind of like, cause I've had this transition going ever since the first part of the year. So like when I was signing up people for their mowing service at the first part of the year, uh, kind of it was like the, kind of like end of February, first part of March. I was saying, hey, if you're not full service type of thing, if you don't want all these services, that's perfectly fine. Give them a referral. I have two companies I work with type of thing that are kind of friends of mine, and I refer them to them because I want to just kind of leave them high and dry type of thing and say, hey, potentially next year you might be bumped off of our list. We're very limited spots for for 2022. Um, if you'd like to be on that list, if you want to be full service this year, more than happy to take you on as a client type of thing. But if not, no big deal. Here's some referrals. But just so like, if you want to kind of transition, kind of get away from, hey, here's some clients to another company. That's probably the way I'd probably approach it is to try to find like a company you trust that you're friends with, you know their values, know how, know what the quality of work that they do and just kind of give them that referral. That's a, that's a really great piece of advice of continue, even as you're, you know, for lack of a better phrase, breaking up with a client, uh, giving them that that landing spot so that you're still continuing to provide value for them so that you know when they are looking to do something more in the vein of your new services, uh, they're going to come to you. Absolutely. I want to go back to uh, some of the efficiencies that you've talked about finding in your business and your kind of consistent search for efficiencies. Uh, what is your sort of process to identify and correct spots that are inefficient in the business? So usually after every single, like, for example, most landscaping jobs, the mowing is kind of pretty self-evident of what's efficient and what's not. Usually I know that, hey, this yard takes 15 minutes. And if one week, hey, it's taking 30 minutes and it keeps taking double the amount of time or, hey, this is taking five minutes more type of thing. And kind of say, hey, what's the problem here? But with landscape jobs usually or 
real work jobs type of thing. Uh, usually you're trying to look at, hey, what's my material cost? Has the material cost went up? How many times am I going back and forth to get the material instead of having the piece of equipment running while you're doing something else like waking out of bed or digging something up? Turn the machine off because over time, that little bit of fuel could save you big savings in the future type of thing. Just little stuff like that. Like I'll give an example. Um, last year and going in this year, I had two trucks. Now I have one truck and I actually traded in the truck that was costing me. It was about $500 a month just for that truck, just in fuel. And I found a more efficient car to do estimates in or do office work in or meet customers in because at this point, you don't need two trucks or you don't have to drive halfway across town in a truck just to do an estimate. You can find a more fuel efficient car, something mm-hmm. that, hey, I don't need to be hauling around material and just to do an estimate for it type of thing. And that saves, now it's saving me three, three, three fifty a month just in fuel, just off of that. Wow. That's, that's um, an incredible savings that I imagine many people are just, you know, watching burn out of their gas tank without realizing that it's there. What, what about like, uh, you know, business tools that you might be using in terms of, you know, running your invoicing or what have you, have you, do you have any uh, must have business tools? Um, yeah, absolutely. So like I said earlier, I had an office assistant last year, so they were kind of responsible for doing all the invoicing, the estimating, typing up estimates, interacting with the clients that had an issue or anything like that kind of took off my plate compared to this year. I have a CRM that's specifically designed just for lawn care businesses called Lawn Pro. It's $250. It's a flat fee. That's all you have to pay for the whole life you use it type of thing. So at the end of every month for like mowing, for example, it's an automatic thing that, hey, this certain customer has four cuts for the, for this month. They're at $50 a cut type of thing that sends an automatic invoice to them on the 30th or the 31st at the end of every month type of thing. I don't have to worry about it. And then usually they pay for a check. And they throw that in the mail and it comes to me. Then we check it off once we get it. Or there's a link in the invoice that they get that, hey, they can pay with their credit card type of thing. And then that automatically just takes it off when they pay from their credit card. That's awesome. What advice would you give someone who wants to open a lawn care company today? And is it is it a smart time to get into the landscaping industry? Absolutely. I would definitely say... Most people say, hey, when's a good time to start your business? And I would say yesterday. Because uh, if you don't start today or tomorrow, it's you're never going to start it type of thing. So just start out small. Usually when I talk to people about looking at it, just to start small, just hey, just find a push mower, a weed whacker, and your blower. I mean, you can get set up for two, three hundred bucks type of thing. Talk to people at, at your job or talk to people in your neighborhood. Talk to your friends. Just say, hey, let me mow your grass for... 30, 40 bucks type of thing. Just know your worth. Don't be the $20 guy. Like, hey, I'll mow your five acre yard for, for $20. That's obviously not economical. Know your worth in business type of thing. You can always raise your prices in the future. You can never really go down that much. You kind of need to know what your hourly needs to be. Most industries usually between 60 to 80. Once you kind of go into like the lands, like the landscaping construction size, hundred dollars, 120 an hour, something like that. But circling back, pretty much just like try to know your worth. Start out small type of thing and just grow, continuously reinvest in your business, find different inefficiencies, try to make efficient as you can, try to make less of more type of thing. What's your biggest challenge as a business owner right now? And uh, what's your approach to tackling it? I would just say just kind of continually just kind of growing, kind of take trying to find better customers type of thing, kind of weeding out kind of the ones that are kind of slow to pay. That's kind of where we're at now is we're, we're kind of kind of good with the size that we're at now. Kind of doing our transitions very slowly into next year type of thing. Everything's kind of going smoothly, but just trying to find the full service customers there we are. Maybe keeping next year, like someone that's like that takes 30, 60 days to pay their invoice or they're kind of 
kind of like a nitpicky type of type of person. They always have a complaint about something or they always want more for the same price type of thing. Just kind of find like the, the customers that are a little easier to handle and not as stressful type of thing to try try to find kind of the best type of clients. One last question for you here, Russell. What are your three most important tips that will help other people in your industry succeed? Uh, I like to think of these as the tips you wish that someone had pulled you aside as you got started and said, hey, keep these three things in mind and things will go much smoother for you. Um, I would say definitely number one is do good quality work and not overcharge people because if you do a bad job on someone's property, they're going to tell their friend, hey, this person did this on my property. I was very unhappy if they were really hard to deal with type of thing. And then I would say probably number two is try to make more friends and enemies, especially in the, in the in the industry. Because when I first started, I thought everyone was my competitor type of thing. I need to get every single job I can type of thing. I can't really be friends with these people compared to in hindsight now in the future. Now, now that I know what I know, try and make those connections with other business owners. Uh, is probably your number one asset in business because I probably turn down more jobs than I say yes to. And when I say no, I'm just like, hey, no, I can't help you type of thing. I say, hey, this company would probably love to come out and give you an estimate or give you a referral and just kind of make that connection with our business owners to kind of help you because there's more enough work in this industry for everyone. So try and make those connections with people and kind of help them kind of grow their business, which will also help you grow yours. And then I would say probably number three is just to try to find, just to try to be as efficient as you can because if you track your time, track your materials, just be very analytical about everything in your business just to make sure it runs very, very efficient. Like if you see something that's inefficient or that could be more efficient, try to try to better that that system or that piece of equipment or just that overall concept type of thing to, to make your biz, business run a lot more free and a lot more stress-free. Russell Jeffcoat of Legends Lawn Care Services, soon to be Legends Landscaping. Uh, Thanks for stopping by the show. Absolutely happy to do it. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Have a good one. That is it for the interview, guys. If you haven't already checked out our YouTube channel, make sure to go do that. We interview many successful business owners just like Russell. We ask very important business questions that everyone can benefit from. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you guys next week. 